50 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. Just want to thank you guys for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. That song you are hearing right now is, of course, Leave the Lights On from our good friends in Pacifier. You can check those guys out anywhere you get your music. And today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. And the Rangers just wrapping up a solid 3-1 to home victory against the New Jersey Devils. It's a game that, you know, I don't know if it was one of the Rangers' absolute best performances of the season. Gerard Gallant said as much after the game. Um, but something else that I got to say right off the bat here that I don't agree with, I saw certain people, and one of them was Steve Valaket, who I think does, first of all, just a tremendous job on MSG. But I saw at least a few people kind of framing this as a stolen win for Igor Shesterkin. Now, don't get me wrong. Igor Shesterkin was absolutely fantastic. He made some highlight real saves in this game, you know, top 10 plays of the night or whatever you want to call it. There was one, I think it was against Heesher. I'm going to have to check my notes in a second, but, you know, there was a devil early in this game coming in on a rush, gets behind the defense. Igor makes a fantastic save and then an even better save, a left pad save on the breakaway there. And like I said, we'll get to all of Igor's highlights in due time here. But overall, throughout this night, I felt like the Rangers mostly had the better of play. And I especially feel that way, uh, the way the Rangers started this game. They came out flying in the first period, and also the way that they finished it. I thought the Rangers more or less dominated in the third period. I mean, I guess the Devils had a couple of chances at the equalizer early in the final stanza there. But for the most part, I thought the Rangers were in control. And certainly the last 10 minutes or so, it felt like the entire game was being played on the Devils' side of the ice. The Rangers forced the Devils to uh, take a couple of penalties. They got some breathing room when Chris Kreider scored on a, just an absolute snipe to make the score 3-1. to one. That was also uh, the final. And again, yes, Igor Shesterkin was absolutely fantastic. But as far as calling this uh, a game that he stole and, you know, all oh, the Rangers had no business winning this game, no, I don't agree with that at all. I thought the Rangers, for the most part, were the better team. Uh, Devils did get a couple of, like, just out-of-nowhere scoring opportunities here and there, and I get the feeling that maybe some of those plays are why uh, Gerard Gallant, not that he was, like, furious after this game or anything like that, but he feels like the Rangers can play better, and I would agree with that. Uh, but again, I thought they were overall the better team, maybe against a stronger opponent. The Rangers don't get the win last night, but overall, I thought they played pretty well, and there, there were some positives to take out of this game. Uh, we'll get into all the highlights and lowlights uh, in just a second here, but first, I just want to go through the lineup, basically. There are a lot of, uh, you know, lineup adjustments being made uh, compared to the last time that the Rangers were in action. First of all, Kevin Rooney, who left the last game that the Rangers played in the second period, I believe it was, with an upper body injury. He is now on injured reserve, and it doesn't sound like he's going to be back all that time soon. So, you know, that's unfortunate. Obviously, Rooney does a really nice job for the Rangers on the penalty kill, and just a strong fourth-line player overall, can score a goal every once in a while, although uh, it has been a while since he scored. Uh, but be that as it may, Rangers are going to have to roll without him. The other bit of news as far as injury is concerned uh, there was a picture that surfaced uh, just a couple days ago here of Capo Caco wearing a cast on his hand. And now there's speculation that Caco is possibly going to be out for more than a month, which was the initial timetable. The Rangers were hoping to get him back in about a month. I feel like the Rangers always do this when it comes to their injury timetables. They always seem to, I don't know if it's just being optimistic. I don't know if you know, maybe they don't want word to get out to the rest of the league how long a certain player is going to be out because if the Rangers, you know, have to try to get into trade negotiations with somebody, you don't want that team to know that the Rangers are going to be out without Capo Caco for longer than, you know, a month or whatever it might be. 
Uh, you don't want them to know that he could be in danger of missing more time than was initially uh, publicly announced by the Rangers. I don't know. But for one reason or another, it just seems like the Rangers always kind of undershoot how long a player is going to be out due to an injury. That's just kind of a little habit of theirs that I've picked up on over the years. Um, so that's the bad news. I mean, obviously, we don't know for sure. I mean, maybe Kako gets back right on time. We'll see how that shakes out. Uh, the good news is that Johnny Brodzinski was caught up to the Rangers, and he played uh, his sixth game of the season with the Rangers, but it was his first in quite some time, and I thought he looked good in this game. They put him in on the fourth line there, and he you know, was in this game fresh off of signing a two-year extension with the Rangers. He has served as the Wolfpack captain this season. We talked about Brodzinski and this contract extension pretty extensively in a recent episode, you know, when the news broke that he had signed the extension, but long story short for anybody who might have missed it, 28-year-old right winger, kind of an AHL, NHL swingman, has spent the majority of his career in the AHL, but he was averaging more than a point per game with Hartford, and he is playing in his 11th overall game with the New York Rangers, you know, combining this season with last season. And something that I tweeted before the game, I was hoping that Brodzinski would get a spot in the top nine, simply because, you know, we, we've talked about this recently as well, but, you know, Philip Heedle and Julian Gauthier, they're two players that I kind of singled out in a recent episode is, you know, just not really uh, playing up to speed, basically, you know, just not uh, reaching their potential, not really doing a whole lot to contribute offensively. Now, obviously, Filipino scored a goal, what turned out to be the game-winning goal in this game last night. That was big. Hopefully, that gets him going a little bit. But another point that I made on Twitter, and I'll make it again here, I feel like if you're a Ranger forward and you're not one of the obvious top six guys, you know, Kreider, Mika, Panarin, uh, Lafreniere, those guys, their place is all very secure in the top six. But I feel like everybody else, it should basically be an open tryout between now and the time that the playoffs start if you want to stake your claim, A, first of all, to just being in the lineup and not being a healthy scratch, and B, you know, establishing yourself on the third line. I feel, and, and by the way, I include Filipino and Julian Gauthier in that. I'm not by any means giving up on these guys and saying there's no chance that they can do anything productive. But between guys like Dryden Hunt, Filipino, Julian Gauthier, Johnny Brodzinski, uh, Morgan Barron, whoever the Rangers might trade for between now and the deadline, yeah, I think it's an open competition, or it should be an open competition, to staking your claim to a spot in the third line, or maybe even that right wing uh, second line spot. I think that'll go to Kako if and when he returns. But for right now, yeah, I, I think the battle should be on if you're a Ranger forward and you want to spy. If you want to spot in one of these, uh, you know, roles on the team, whether it's the second line right wing spot or the third line in general, then go get it. I think that's a great message to send. Competition makes everybody better. We know that. And again, I think Johnny Brodzinski should be in the mix there. And I'll, I'll go a step further. And this is something that, uh, you know, I kind of had this thought while watching the game. Why not put Johnny Brodzinski all the way up on the second line on the right wing? Now, stay with me on this because, uh, you know, I know a lot of people say, well, come on, th this guy, he's just, you know, a career journeyman. As I just mentioned ago, he's an AHL, NHL swingman for his entire career. Look, this guy was having a heck of a season with the Hartford Wolfpack, and I realize the AHL is not the NHL, but he was at more than a point per game in Hartford. And so given the Rangers, again, they're complete, not complete, but a relative lack of options for that second line right wing spot, I think he should at least be in the mix. I mean, Dryden Hunt has been playing there. We've seen Barclay Goodrow there. These are not guys that necessarily uh, jump off the page as bona fide top six forwards. I like both players. Don't get me wrong. I, I think they both have their role on this team. But 
I wouldn't be opposed to giving Johnny Brodzinski a chance. I just have a weird feeling about him. I'm getting some Colin Blackwell vibes from Johnny Brodzinski that, you know, he is going to, relatively speaking, exceed expectations. And that might be weird uh, saying that about somebody who has just one point in 11 games as a New York Ranger. But if he gets a little bit of run, and obviously, you know, he gets to play with Stroman Panarin, I think that bodes well for him. I think he at least deserves a chance. Just like Filipino deserves a chance, you know, to, to stake his claim, just like Julian Gauthier, just like Morgan Barron, just like basically every Ranger forward on this team. And, you know, you might hear me saying, put Brodzinski on the second line, and you might think like, well, what about like somebody like Heedle, or maybe somebody like Morgan Barron, or maybe somebody like Julian Gauthier? Look, if they want to, that's fine, but they haven't done that. Like, they haven't given Philip Heedle that opportunity. They seem to like him on the third line. Ditto for Julian Gauthier. Dryden Hunt gets some time on the second line, and I know the Rangers like to have a grinder out there with Panarin and Strom, so I get it from that perspective. Um, but you know what? I, I don't think the Rangers' second line gets downgraded if you swap Hunt for Brodzinski. So we'll see how it goes. I'm very intrigued by seeing how that whole thing shakes out. And, you know, the opposite side of the spectrum is also in play. You know, I'm talking up Johnny Brodzinski here because I think he had a good game. He could be a healthy scratch in the next game because actually that leads me to something else that I wanted to talk about, uh, about Greg McKaig here. Uh, McKaig was not a healthy scratch in this game. I think a lot of us probably thought that he was, you know, going into the game, but during uh, Gerard Gallant's press conference after the game, he mentioned that Greg McKaig was actually sick. He didn't say anything about COVID, so it doesn't sound like uh, it's COVID-related or anything like that, but he was sick, and so he was not a healthy scratch. He was an unhealthy scratch, if you will, and so uh, Brodzinski very well might not have even played in this game had it not been for that, and he might come out of the lineup in the next game, but I'd like to see him get another chance. thought he played well here. We'll talk more about that and basically everything else that happened in this game in just a second, but first, I just want to let everybody know that today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by Athletic Greens. I started taking Athletic Greens because I wanted a supplement that actually tastes great and I wanted to see what all the hype was about. So what is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you are absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and aptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. I take it before I exercise, and I even take it before recording the newest episode of Locked On New York Rangers. Tons of people take some kind of multivitamin, and it's important to choose one with high-quality ingredients that your body will actually absorb. It costs less than $3 a day, you're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially adding into the cold and flu season. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NHL network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, just want to thank you guys for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. All right, so just to kind of put a bow on the lineup talk, uh, the top six was exactly what you would expect it to be. It's exactly what it's been over the last uh, however many games we're going back here. But 
you know, Mika centering Kreider and Lafreniere. You got Strom centering Panarin and Dryden Hunt. And then the third line was Philip Hedl centering Barkley Goodrow on the left wing, Julian Gauthier on the right wing. So Goudreau back up on the third line. And then the fourth line, Johnny Brodzinski centering Morgan Barron on the left wing, Ryan Reeves on the right wing. And there's part of me, honestly, you know, I mentioned Brodzinski maybe going to the, uh, to the second line. You could maybe throw him on the third line in place of... I don't know. I, I don't know how you would do this, honestly, because if you put Brodzinski into Gautier's spot on the third line, then Gautier, you'd probably healthy scratch him at that point. You wouldn't want Gautier on your fourth line. I'm wondering if in the next game, if McKeg comes back, and I would leave McKeg as the healthy scratch, but I don't think the Rangers are going to do that. I'm wondering if there's a chance that we see Greg McKeg back centering the fourth line, and then Brodzinski moves up to the third line, right wing spot, and then Julian Gautier is the healthy scratch. They got some options, which is always a good thing. Uh, we'll, we will see how it shakes out for sure. But getting into this game here, you know, again, I thought the Rangers really uh, basically hit, just hit the ground running in this contest. You had just 10 seconds into the game, a couple of A-plus scoring opportunities for Mika Zibanejad. Uh, Kreider had a takeaway. He tried to pass to Lafreniere. It didn't get there, but Mika came up, uh, took the puck away from a devil, took a shot. And, uh, you know, a nice save was made by Dawes, but a good opportunity for Mika there. Mika was the top star of this game, and rightfully so. I mean, this guy is just all over the ice every single night. That top line continues to just be uh, tremendously impressive ever since the All-Star break. I mean, they were impressive before the All-Star break, but they've seemingly gone to uh, another level this uh, this last handful of games here. Uh, I should also mention, I've, I've got a note in my uh, notes here, that Patrick Nemeth uh, delivered a big hit to Bashan, knocked him to the ice, Got him to the shoulder. Bashan kind of hit the boards awkwardly. This was a hard-hitting, physical, chippy, nasty game. Uh, but I did want to talk about Nemeth real quick here as well. He's obviously back into the lineup. And, you know, again, congratulations to him on the birth of his son. That's awesome. Um, I know a lot of Ranger fans haven't been a big fan of him and, and the work that he's done. But the one thing I'll say in his defense is that it does sound like for a while he was uh, suffering from some COVID after effects. And we saw what that did to Mika Zibanejad. Mika Zibanejad is a superstar player, and he was a shell of himself the first half of last season. So if it can do that to a superstar, imagine what it can do to, you know, an league average defenseman such as Patrick Nemes. So I'm hoping he just gets back to that. He's not going to be a superstar. I think we all know that. I think we accept that. There's part of me that wants to see Zach Jones in there instead of Patrick Nemeth. I know from listening to you, to you guys, that there's plenty of you that uh, think the same thing and that Zach Jones should be in there over Patrick Nemeth. But for the time being, I'm willing to give him a fair chance here now that he's, uh, you know, according to Nemeth himself, feeling a little bit better. And the other thing that's going to work in his favor going forward, I think, is that you know, he's playing with Braden Schneider now, which is, I think, his best defense partner that he's had all season. So we'll see how it goes, but I'm willing to at least uh, ride this out for a little while longer, and, you know, hopefully Patrick Nemeth can play some solid hockey for the New York Rangers. And that save I talked about in the intro, where I mentioned that Igor Shesterkin made the back-to-back -back saves, looking at my notes, yes, it was indeed Nico Heeshear. He kind of posterized Ryan Lindgren on this. I mean, Lindgren's had a great season, and Heeshear's a tremendously talented player, Um but he made a ridiculous move, went right around Lindgren. And again, the back-to-back -back saves by Igor, great save on the initial shot, and then an even better save, kicked out his left pad and uh, prevented the stuff-in chance from Heeshear. You get chance of Igor, and I think right away, a lot of us were probably feeling good, and we pretty much knew it's going to be one of those nights for Igor Shesterkin. This, this is looking good, and uh, he's going to basically keep the Devils at bay, and he did that. Stopped 32 of 33 shots and made some unbelievable highlight reel saves. One thing I do have to bring up here, though, because there was a penalty that the Rangers took. This one was called on Panarin, a cross-check in the offensive zone. And the Rangers, once again, gave the Devils three power plays in this game, 
which isn't like an unforgivable amount. I mean, I think ideally you want to keep it at two or less, but the part that's not good is that all three of the devil power plays came as the result of the Rangers taking an offensive zone penalty, which as you guys know, anybody that's listened to this show for any amount of time, you guys know those will just drive me absolutely crazy. I can't be the only one. I'm sure a lot of you feel the same way. Uh, This one we already covered was on Panarin. I mean, he's trying to make a play, but there was no need to do that. I mean, I got to call it like I see it. And then Ryan Reeves, I mean, incidental, you know, he made contact with the goalie a little bit later and he got called for a penalty, but Ryan Reeves has been called for two offensive zone penalties in recent games here. I think two in the last three games or maybe even two in the last two games, Uh, but bottom line recently. And then Ryan Strom, and this wasn't good either. This happened in the third period. Now, granted, I can somewhat understand that Ryan Strom had been slashed and he was trying to retaliate. He actually retaliated against the wrong player, Um, but he went back at him and he took a penalty in the offensive zone as well. And you got to keep your cool there. I mean, I can appreciate the fire and the feistiness and all that good stuff, but the Rangers at that time were up two to one in this game. And it'd been a really competitive, you know, battle against this team. I know the Devils aren't good this year, but they seem to give the Rangers their best. And uh, obviously that put the Devils on the power play, but the good news is the Ranger PK was on point. Igor Sesterkin was on point and the Devils go over three on the man advantage, but you can't keep putting yourself in this kind of situation because eventually it's going to come back to bite you. It didn't happen on this night. And obviously it's great that the Rangers are killing off these penalties, but got to cut back on those offensive zone penalties. We, we saw in recent seasons, and they've gotten away from it this season, but we've seen where the Rangers have taken way too many of those in the past, and it has cost them. So uh, again, hopefully that's something that they will correct. I think they will. You know, not too long ago, the issue was that the Rangers were getting off to slow starts, and I think we've had about five or six straight games here where the Rangers have had, you know, a solid two great start in, in six consecutive games, and that had been an issue before that. Um, So I'm hoping it's kind of the same deal here. The Rangers will, of course, correct. This will become something of a point of emphasis from Gallant and the coaching staff. They'll buy in, and they'll cut back on these offensive zone penalties because it's not something you want to be doing. And there's still some time, but it's not something you want to be doing heading into the playoffs. That is for sure. And we're going to continue breaking down this game in just a second. I want to get into uh, some of Igor Shosturkin's greatest hits of the evening. But first, I just want to let everybody know that today's episode of Locked on New York Rangers is brought to you by BetOnline.net. Football might be over for this season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props, to where the next fired coach is going to land, BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online, where the game starts. Today's episode of Locked on New York Rangers is also brought to you by Bilt Bar. I'm sticking to my resolution to eat right, thanks to Bilt Bar. It almost feels like it's not really a resolution because I actually enjoy eating them. Have you tried the puffs? If you haven't, you're missing out on one of Bilt Bar's best tasting bars. Puffs are the first ever protein-infused marshmallow. Puffs are a fan favorite with some incredible flavors, and all Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate, and that includes the Puffs. 100% real chocolate. Low-calorie, high-protein, replace your candy bars with these. They are better. A typical candy bar can be anywhere from two to 300 calories. Go to Built.com and scroll down to the macros chart. You will be blown away. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 
30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. At Built Bar, they are all about the taste. They make it taste delicious first, then they figure out how to make it healthy. And I don't know how they do it, but they pull it off every single time. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKS15, and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKS15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, we're going to get to all the P.K. Subban stuff in just a little bit here. I got a lot to say about that. Uh, but first, as promised, I want to take you through Igor Shesterkin's greatest hits of the night. I mean, there were just so many highlight-worthy saves here. And uh, apologies if your favorite Igor save doesn't make this, but I've singled out three here. In addition to the two saves that he made against Nico Heeshear early in the first period, uh, there was one. Uh, what period was this here? I believe this was, yeah, this is still the first period as well. So you've got uh, Jack Hughes. Uh, from the high slot, taking a shot, you know, just letting it rip from there. Igor Shesterkin with just an outstanding glove save, uh, reached up and kind of to his left with it, just absolutely snagged it. It's a chance it might have been going wide, but uh, you don't want to take any chances there for sure. And a uh, big save by Igor Shesterkin. That also came when the Devils were on the power play. And then the second period, there were two that I got to single out here. You had a shot from uh, P.K. Subban, of all people, and Igor, once again, stretches up, stretches high, snags the puck with his glove, and he made this save while doing a split, you know, just a full split on the ice. You really don't want P.K. Subban scoring for so many different reasons, but um, yeah, great save here. You know, overall, I thought the second period was a good one for the Rangers. They were strong defensively throughout most of it, but I would say in the last maybe like three minutes or so, I thought they got back on their heels a little bit. The Devils started uh, getting a little bit of a push, and you know, the, the Rangers definitely relied on Igor in these final few minutes here to make a couple of saves. But again, you know, I still don't classify this as a stolen win for Igor Shesterkin because I thought, for the most part, the Rangers played a pretty sound game. Not the greatest we've seen them play all season, but for the most part, I thought they had a defensively solid game uh, as a team. But uh, like I said, they were back on their heels here, and Igor uh, made a couple of saves, including this one. This happened even later in the second period. There's a board battle uh, on the uh, in the corner. And the Devils, you know, it's like a three-on-three -three board battle. Everybody's trying to get the puck loose. The Devils actually end up winning this battle, and they get the puck over to Ryan Graves. Uh, Graves has kind of crashed the net. He's all by himself there because, you know, everybody on both teams was basically along the boards. Uh, so Graves is by himself in front, but Igor dives, keeps the puck out, you know, basically just makes a sprawling save, gets his helmet knocked off on the play. Uh, he was okay. Uh, and, you know, fortunately, he didn't have to come out of the game for concussion protocol or anything like that. Uh, that's kind of the thought that went, went through my head after we saw what happened, uh, you know, not too long ago when the Rangers were playing the Bruins. But the other thing that happened on this play was Julian Gauthier got hit, uh, I guess, like in the in the mouth or the, the chin or somewhere. It was hard to tell, but he got hit by a skate up high, and that's always a scary situation. You know, he immediately grabbed his face there, but fortunately, he seemed to be okay. I, I don't think he even missed a shift. I mean, this was toward the end of the second period anyway. But I thought he was out there, you know, for every shift that he would be out there in the third period regardless. So uh, obviously good to see that he avoided injury there. But again, just a fantastic night by Igor Shesterkin. Okay, P.K. Subban. Let's go ahead and talk about everything that happened between him and the Rangers in this game. For starters, uh, well, actually, to really take it from the top here, you had the Madison Square Garden faithful just booing at the top of their lungs every single time that P.K. Subban touched the puck, and rightfully so. He deserves it. Um, but then we have uh, a fight between Subban and Barclay Goodrow behind the devil's net, and it took a while to get this one going. It certainly seemed like Subban didn't really want to fight. He was kind of backing away from Goodrow. He was maybe trying to draw the instigator penalty, and Goodrow was really, really smart here. He didn't just drop his glove 
gloves and start going nuts and start throwing punches. Although, as I say that, that actually would have been awesome. But he was smart enough not to take the instigator penalty and kind of, you know, there was a lot of talking back and forth there. And it's not like they were yelling and screaming at each other. I think Goodrow was just kind of like making sure like, okay, we're really doing this, right? You're really actually going to fight me. We're going to drop the gloves and start, you know, exchanging punches. You're not going to, you know, pull this nonsense where you're trying to draw an instigator penalty. So they fought. Uh, I don't think either guy landed more than one punch, but toward the end of it, uh, Goudreau took Subban down to the to the ice, and then Goudreau, you know, applying by the uh, the gentleman's code or whatever you want to call it, he did not try to punch Subban while Subban was down on the ice. And not everybody abides by that code, but, uh, you know, it's kind of something of an unwritten law not to keep, you know, wailing on somebody once they're down on the ice. And again, not everybody follows that unwritten rule, but some do. Clearly, Goudreau does. And Goodrow stopped. And then when Subban got back up, he tried to basically sucker punch Goodrow. You know, while while the linesman had already stepped in, he wanted to keep going. So, I mean, nothing that you wouldn't expect, basically. I mean, that, that that's what it comes down to. You know, Subban's down on the ice. Goodrow cuts him a little bit of a break, despite the fact that this guy has slew-footed two of his teammates. And despite the fact that he ended Sammy Blay's season, he cuts him a break. And then Subban gets up and tries to punch him. Basically a sucker punch. So, what do you even say at this point? I mean, it's just par for the course with this guy. And then in the third period, you've got an instance where, you know, the Rangers had the puck in the devil's zone because, of course, they did. They basically dominated the entire third period. But, you know, there's a play stoppage. I believe Dawes froze the puck, and Subban goes after Heedle after the play. And credit to Philip Heedle here, you know, not known for being somebody who's going to go out there and mix it up and play physical, you know, tough hockey or anything like that necessarily. But uh, he gave it right back, got right back in Subban's face, and then, you know, Subban was suddenly backing away from Barclay Goodrow. Didn't look like he wanted any piece of Barclay Goodrow. I mean, the linesman had stepped in by that point, but it's not like Subban was exactly trying to, you know, get over toward Goodrow on this play. And in the midst of all this chaos, the Devils, Janssen, uh, he takes a penalty. So the Rangers go to the power play with 6.15 remaining in the game. And, uh, you know, they don't score here, but they bleed another two minutes off the clock. And then, again, the last thing that Subban did in this game, uh, he takes another penalty Artemi Panarin gained the blue line. He was up the left side. He veered toward the devil net, and Subban looked to stick out his left leg and trip up uh, Artemi Panarin. Now, this could go either way. I mean, on one hand, he's dealing with one of the best players in hockey. He's got he's just trying to do whatever he can to try to get in his way and slow him down. Uh, but on the other hand, this guy does not get the benefit of the doubt anymore. If it had not been for the four slew foots and all the other nonsense that he's done this season, I might give P.K. Subban a little bit of a break on this one. I might give him a little bit of you know, the benefit of the doubt here, but I'm not going to do that due to everything that has happened with him earlier this season. Uh, he stuck out his leg, borderline dirty play, but again, this is not somebody who gets the benefit of the doubt anymore. He threw that away a long time ago. I gave him the benefit of the doubt in the preseason when he got Ryan Reeves from behind with the slew foot. Maybe he lost control. Maybe he had a brain fart. Uh, you know, to that point in his career, I don't think we'd seen P.K. Subban do too many dirty things, but the evidence is really piled up here, and I don't think there's any way to say it anymore. P.K. Subban is a dirty player, and it showed here, and the Rangers got to the power play, and again, they didn't score, but they bleed another two minutes off the clock. You get a two-goal lead at this point. When the power play ends, there's only a minute and eight seconds remaining, and the Rangers were able to run out the clock and win this game 3-1. to one. And, you know, Subban, I tweeted this last night as well. I, You know, this is why maybe there's a little bit of, uh, you know, gray area here, dirty play, not dirty play. I tweeted out that this was P.K. Subban's only chance against Artemi Panarin. He's one-on-one with Panarin. P.K. Subban is not the player that he used to be. His only prayer to stop Artemi Panarin here is to trip him 
because otherwise Panarin would have went right around him, just made him look completely foolish, and, uh, you know, obviously had a great scoring opportunity from the doorstep there. So that was Subban's only prayer, was to basically trip him up and, and stop him that way. Um, but yeah, you know, uh, again, a really solid game. I did want to mention a couple of plays by Johnny Brodzinski, because we were talking about him in the opening. For starters, he took Kevin Rooney's spot on the penalty kill unit. Obviously, Rooney was not available for this game. And while the Rangers were shorthanded, they got a rush into the attacking zone. Brodzinski carried it up the right side, made just an excellent saucer pass over to Barclay Goodrow. The defenseman was there, but he lifted the puck over the D-man's uh, stick. And Goodrow had a chance from in deep, but uh, the save was made by Dawes. And then later in the game, this was after Strom took the penalty that uh, you know we talked about earlier, an offensive zone penalty that he really didn't need to take. But he's fresh out of the penalty box. Rangers get another two-on-one. Strom up the left side, passes over to his right to Brodzinski. Brodzinski, a picture-perfect pass to Ryan Strom. Strom is right there on the doorstep, and he just shanked it. I don't know what happened on this. I got to believe the vast majority of the time Ryan Strom is going to bury this shot here from you know basically a foot or two away from the goal line. Uh, again, just missed it. Should have had an assist there for Brodzinski. Should have been a goal for Ryan Strome. But again, I like what I saw from Brodzinski overall. He actually blocked a shot in the closing seconds of this game. And we were talking with like five seconds or so to go. And he blocked the shot and his skate blade broke. And so at the end of the game, uh, it was kind of funny because the Banerjad was like, uh, you know, helping Brodzinski get off the ice and get into the locker room there. So they were laughing about that. But that was cool. Again, I thought Brodzinski played well. I'd like to see him uh, get an opportunity because we've seen just about every other player on this New York Ranger team get a chance either on that second line right wing spot or on the third line. So to me, what reason is there for Johnny Brodzinski to not at least get a little bit of an opportunity? And I realize people might want to aim higher than a, you know, career AHL player. And I think the Rangers, you know, they're going to address that and they're going to bring in at least one or two forwards uh, at or near the trade deadline this season. But for the time being, I think Johnny Brodzinski deserves a chance just like everybody else deserves a chance. Like I said, that is the key takeaway from this game and from where the Rangers are right now. Uh, everybody, as it pertains to the third line and that second line right wing spot, it should be all hands on deck. If you want to stake your claim to one of those spots, go out and get it. Every single player should have the opportunity to either... Uh, you know, increase their stock or decrease their stock with every game that passes here all the way up until the Stanley Cup playoffs begin. Uh, but that will pretty much do it for today, guys. Once again, if you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. And definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time. Thanks for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. In our next episode, we're going to be talking about everything that happens between the Rangers and the Jets. Now make your second listen Locked On Fantasy Hockey. Host Steel Rodin and Flip Livingston help you become the expert of your fantasy league. It is free and available wherever you get your podcasts.